Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. It is nighttime in the desert, and there's a lot of work going on. I sure hate to admit it, but everybody's sort of hurrying up a little bit because the hot months are coming. It gets a little tougher to take care of the chores in the summertime. You just want to crawl back into the burrow with the tortoises. Wait it out. You know, I had this list. I had the radio shows that had to be done. And and I'm fixing up this house. I've been trying to flip houses with Brendan Mays. He's got an LLC. And it's really more trouble than it's worth. He keeps bringing in these friends of his. And he says they're good for the money. And you get a two-day drop in the stock market, and these guys are long gone already. They're over-leveraged. And then the new books come in, and the semi-truck is out there parked in the middle of the highway, which always seems insane. I've never seen a truck do that. In the desert here, I don't think I've ever seen that outside of the Balkans. The truck just stops in the middle lane of Highway 62 and down come the pallets off the lift gate. And these guys just wheel the pallets across two lanes of traffic. It's like Eddie Murphy and Bowfinger, except they don't care at all. There's no screaming and crying. But, friends, let me tell you, they stopped the traffic on the highway for the Desert Oracle. And I sure hope nobody finds out about this at the Sheriff's Department. are all huffing and puffing and wiping their brows and I've got my hat on trying to keep the sun out of my eyes so I can see so I don't get run over by a convoy of tanks out of 29 bombs and of course the pallets are for warehouses But all I've got is this one regular door. You kind of have to stand sideways just to get in. So the boxes are getting loaded off the pallets. And now there's there's a line of workers, a line of teamsters. The box is going from one strong set of arms to the next. And I 
guess the moment just sort of overtook me and I started saying, careful boys, careful now. Real easy. Careful. Careful, that's it. Take it real easy now. Now run another line. Stack them three high now. Three high. The wind is howling down the highway. Big white clowns piled up over the mountains. The car horns are honking for half a mile back now, but we've got to get the books inside. And now we're in the office, the whole gang, there's there's me and there are the others, I guess. The Teamsters, Meg, and I think even Brother Jay came by, it's all a fog. And we were stuffing envelopes and listening to whatever was on the radio. Willie Nelson, I think. The Ohio Players. So it's just a bunch of work, and there's not enough time to goof off all the time. It's not really goofing off, anyway. It is necessary maintenance, information processing. Trying to think of what cartoon character this one boulder sort of looks like. Wondering about a... A new meme Instagram account. It would just be these pictures I take of the boulders. And the game is you try to figure out whatever the hell I thought I saw. Was it Walter Cronkite in profile? The alien monster? Reading 25-year-old UFO reports from Russia. Flipping through piles of old books, old history books and mining guides and various tales of the desert. Looking for places to investigate, places to visit. Arguing with Jeremy Corbell for an hour by text message about some arcane point regarding some release of UFO footage or etc. Because there's always something goofy in these stories. It's the thing that plants the seed of doubt while also putting a sort of spotlight on the strangeness of the event. The high strangeness, as some researchers call it. It's the factor I have come to know as the goofball factor, because that is what it is. A year and a half ago, the whole UFO thing got a lot bigger in the straight world, the square world, when the New York Times did this big front-page story about the Pentagon's secret UFO study program, the one that Harry Reid secretly started. 
It included a story that was already known in the UFO world. A world of goofballs, mostly. God bless them. And that story was about the Nimitz Aircraft Carrier Group doing some training exercises off the West Coast. And the mystery of these luminous daytime craft shaped like, of course, the Tic Tac Breath Mint. I have tried to come up with a less goofball name than the Tic Tac, but that's what everybody calls it. I tried pill-shaped, but it's not as clear. Pills can be all kinds of shapes, so it's a Tic Tac. But there was something new in the New York Times piece, apparent Pentagon confirmation of this since-canceled UFO threat study, for one thing. And a link to Bigelow Aerospace in Las Vegas, which is owned by paranormal enthusiast Robert Bigelow. This company performed... Certain scientific studies on alleged UFO retrieved materials or mysterious alloys. And the alloys made people sick. And then there was video, two videos ultimately released by someone and never for sure by the Pentagon. Those first two videos... Included one that was pretty compelling because it had supposedly been taken from a naval jet fighter's cockpit camera with imaging that showed the heat signature of the object, the thermal signature. And then there was the other video which, whoops, had been earlier sitting around on the website of a German animation studio. The Goofball. One of many in this story. It's a goofball that the provenance of the video was unclear, and whether or not the Pentagon officially released these two videos becomes part of the mystery. And then there's the extra weird part about the New York Times putting a freelancer on the front page, a freelancer who specializes in the UFO subject. The goofball makes you think, even when it otherwise looks like a pretty interesting story, well, it makes you think there's something fishy going on. And there's always a goofball. My new UFO documentary, which should actually be an opera. Music by John Adams. Will be called The Goofball Enigma. Has there ever been a UFO story without a goofball? It might be the craziest part of all of this. Think of a famous UFO case, Betty and Barney Hill, maybe? Now, they obviously believe... Something deeply strange happened to them on that New England back road. 
but Barney Hill wound up realizing he had seen some Hollywood-style little green men and flying saucer TV stuff before he remembered that he was brought aboard a UFO by space monsters. Was the flying saucer just a draping of personal memory over something too bizarre to have a recognizable form? I have wondered this about my own hovering black triangle situation. Yeah, there was definitely a moving and apparently intelligently controlled blob of intense light on the horizon. side of the road, that evil searching spotlight coming out of its belly, looking for what? Maybe nothing. Maybe just putting on a show. And it already found what it was looking for. Me. A sucker. Something about the black triangles had appealed to me in the years previous. I recognized them as somehow legitimate. Flying saucers always look dumb to me, which, considering the goofball factor, fits the logic board. After all, Kenneth Arnold never saw a flying saucer. He saw a fleet of boomerang-shaped metallic craft that bounced around the sky like stones skipping on a pond. Or, if you are from the Kenneth Arnold family, where tea saucers were apparently such an expendable resource that the whole gang would gather to throw them in a pond... Then it was like the way a tea saucer would skip across the pond. Boy, we don't even have ponds in the Mojave. Imagine having ponds so common that you can set them aside. Entire ponds as underwater garbage dumps for your excess housewares. And that's when people started seeing flying saucers. It got imprinted on the American psyche, especially our collective consciousness. It's like Mothman. Mothman didn't look like a man dressed in some moth superhero costume, but the campy TV comedy Batman was all the rage at the time, so a newspaper editor decided that Mothman would be catchy. Mothman actually looked like a demon from hell, which it was, maybe. But it was a classic nocturnal monster, burning red eyes, big black wings, utterly terrifying. A 
West Virginia black angel from hell. So I don't know if what I saw was a manta ray thing hovering and sort of breathing right there off the road within Dr. Hynek's 500 feet range the close encounter range what do we bring to it is it too awful to see on its own terms Let's open up the Desert Oracle mailbag. Hopefully it's not just junk mail and bills and centipedes again. Here we are from C.R. Smith, I think. And C.R. Smith writes... My uncle is a working saloon... Proficient in his field and great for recommendations. I don't have a damn clue what that is supposed to mean. The subject line says, Old Man Stuff. Well, all right, let's close up the Desert Oracle mailbag and hope for something better next week. tell you about a true thing that happened and the people in my neighborhood could certainly confirm it if you can call this a neighborhood some dirt roads some potholed asphalt a couple of airbnbs with bridal shower parties every weekend through spring and you know I never had the heart to go complain to him. Let people have their last hurrah. There are houses in various states of repair. Lots of open desert, thank God. And then we've got this joker across the road who has apparently inherited about a third of the inventory from that open-air appliance junkyard that used to greet our visitors to Joshua Tree. Welcome to a beautiful National Park Gateway Town and Highway Junkyard. Well, this is what happened. It's a little before sunset and what sounds like a couple of the big marine helicopters have come low over the house, but much lower than usual. 
The marine choppers come by fairly often, often at night, two or even three, flying in a line, one after another, one without lights usually, except for a small red light that you can only see once it has passed. So the whole house is rumbling, and I run out to take a look, and the damn thing is in a tight loop around this place, this property, is barely 200 feet off the ground. Now that's maybe half as low as they usually are up here. They like to fly that east-west park boundary, headed to Camp Pendleton. It's a simple thing, but in a weakened state of mind, it can drive you to thinking they are out to get you. The pilot probably forgot something. Their phone, perhaps. So why not do a nice low loop around this one particular house and then race right back to 29 Palms. Transmissions come in many ways, weird lights in the desert brush for Moses, circles of multicolored fire in the sky for Ezekiel, a column of flame for the wanderers in the desert, baffling lights over the desert highway, the road to Damascus, the beam of pink light that set off years of strange visions and prophecies in Philip K. Dick. The Virgin of Fatima was an entity of blinding white light speaking wordlessly to three shepherd children promising a miracle for the masses on October 13, 1917, when tens of thousands arrived at this Portuguese town on this overcast day with rain drenching the crowd as it stood in puddles and the mud. They witnessed a brilliant spinning disc overhead, and eyewitness described the encounter. This was not the sparkling of a heavenly body, for it spun round on itself in a mad whirl, when suddenly a clamor was heard from all the people, the sun whirling seemed to loosen itself from the firmament, and advanced threateningly upon the earth as if to crush us with its huge, fiery weight. The sensation during those moments was terrible. That is the testimony of attorney Jose Garrett. Reporters from Paris and London witnessed the bizarre phenomena, which included the muddy pastures and standing rainwater turning to warm, dry ground in a matter of minutes. The sodden clothing of the multitudes was instantly dried by the intense heat radiated by the spinning disc covering just above the 40,000. Many of them recoiling from the spectacle, many more kneeling in prayer, wailing in terror. The Great War, World War I, would begin the following summer. 
16 million people would die in the trenches and by genocide and by starvation. Another 50 million people would lose their lives to the Spanish flu. Illumination is the beginning of enlightenment. Long before Thomas Edison claimed credit for inventing the light bulb, a beam of light or brilliant flame from a candle or lantern illustrated discovery, knowledge, wisdom, initiation. We must learn to recognize the divine, especially when it appears in mundane clothes. Václav Havel, the Czech playwright who led his nation to freedom from the Warsaw Pact and the Soviet Union, describes in letters to Olga how he was sitting in a prison yard staring idly at a tree he had seen hundreds of times before. When the sunlight struck the leaves and the breeze in such a way that he went into a trance he was forever changed but not completely changed he had already chosen the hard road he was an acclaimed author turned human rights activist to the point that his political action robbed him of a comfortable life and it made him a prisoner in a prison yard while his nation suffocated the encounter with the divine gave him new strength I felt a sense of reconciliation, of an almost gentle consent to the inevitable course of things as revealed to me now. And this combined with a carefree determination to face what had to be faced. In that moment, I would even say that I was somehow struck by love, though I don't know precisely for whom or what. Decades later, having fulfilled his destiny and returned to private life, Havel described how such encounters slumber in our collective unconscious. These experiences surface again and again in the cultural achievements of humanity and often in individual human experiences as well. In a way that we scarcely understand, they transcend what a person might know in himself or inherit from his ancestors. It seems rather as if something like an antenna were picking up signals from a physically indeterminable transmitter that contains the experience of the entire human race. about in Joshua Tree or Yucca Valley or the general area as of late, you might be wondering what is up with that UFO social club. All I can tell you is that it's just as advertised. It's a social club of the kind that meets at a bar on a weeknight to engage in spirited discussion of goofball topics. You know the ones...
has been Desert Oracle Radio, broadcasting from Joshua Tree in the Great Mojave Wilderness. Thank you for listening, and good night from the Voice of the Desert.